Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Abba is the Hebrew word for father or daddy. Mark 14, verse 29. The word Abba means daddy, father. It's, it's that fatherly figure, but not just in the title that the world uses. It, it's daddy. It's a personal relationship with the father. So Mark 14, verse 29. Abba is the one that we can trust. Abba is our counselor because our fathers are counselors, but it's a counselor that we trust, that we know we can run to. It says, but Peter said unto them, although all shall be offended, yet will I not be offended. This is in Gethsemane that this is taking place. This is right before the crucifixion. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them, they're going to come for me. I'm gonna, they're going to take me and they're going to kill me. And all of you will be offended this night because of what happens. You're, you're going to turn on me. You're going to abandon me. And Peter said, oh, no, no. Everybody might turn against you, but not me, not me. I'll never betray you. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you that this day, even this very night, before the cock crows twice, before the rooster crows two times, you shall deny me three times. But he spake all the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any way. Likewise also said they all. All the disciples were like, Oh, no, 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 we won't deny you. We will stand with you no matter what. And they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Jesus, he took them to pray and, and he became very heavy with, with grief and said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Wait here and pray. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He didn't want to have to go through the, the suffering of the crucifixion. He was asking God, if it's possible, could you do this another way? And he said, Abba, Father, Daddy God. All things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I think in this moment, we have to put ourselves in the mindset of Jesus. Remember, he just told all of his friends, the people that he could trust more than anyone else on the whole earth, that they were all about to betray him. They were all going to turn on him. They were all going to run away and abandon him. But... He still knew he could trust the Father. That was a heavy weight to bear going into this. He knew what he was about to bear. He knew he was going to bear it alone, except for the Father. He knew it was going to be hard, but he knew he could trust the Father. The character of a good father, because not everybody has a good father, but God is a good father. The character of a good father, he corrects. He brings correction when correction is needed. He brings training, he brings teaching, he brings empowering. 
He brings supplying of the things that we need. God, in doing all of these things to Jesus, was setting him up to step up. And sometimes God brings us to what seems like very difficult situations, our Gethsemanes, those things that are so hard and we're like, God, I, I would rather you do this another way. But I know you're a good father and I know that what you're doing is for the best and I trust your wisdom and so not my will, but thy will be done. He's setting you up to step up. It's not easy, but let him get you through this because there's glory on the other side of it. What a father does is for protecting. A father protects, but he doesn't totally prevent that which would make you better, stronger, wiser, or kinder. A good parent will protect their children, but they won't completely prevent everything bad from happening to them because sometimes they need to learn some things. Sometimes you have to let them mess up. Sometimes you have to let them get that hand pinched so they'll learn to quit playing with the crawfish. <laughs> you don't let them do things that would be beyond repair, but you do let some things happen if it's going to make them wiser and stronger and smarter. You don't do everything for them. And sometimes we have to go through hard things because he's preparing us for better. He's making us better people because he's a good father. He knew this was going to be hard, but he knew he could trust the Father, and that gave him peace and strength and comfort through it. A good father gives you responsibilities and tests you to see if he can give you more. These are all things that God does for us also. He works with you and teaches you so that he can one day promote you and pass some of his tasks on to you because that's what a father does. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, Now I say that the heir, like if we're going to inherit something from God, or like Jesus inherited things from God, the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth not from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Right? Jesus is Lord of all. When we become children of God, it says we become kings and priests and and have all this power and authority. But when we're first saved, it says that we're born again as little children. So though we have all of this power and authority, we can't yet wield it. He, he can't trust it to us right away. This is why it's important to seek the counselor because the more you learn, the quicker you learn, the more he'll trust you with, the quicker you'll be able to progress. But you got to go and sit and learn. If you spend all your time on the playground, you're not going to grow and learn as quickly as the one who's willing to go and discipline and sit in the classroom. He says, though they have, they're the Lord of all, they are still under tutors, under teachers, and under governors, which is authorities, until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, Jesus, made of a woman, under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus came to help to cause us to be able to be adopted into God's family and become sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son, right? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more servants, but a son. And if a son, 
than an heir of God through Christ. Jesus, who cried out in Gethsemane, Abba, Father, now lives on the inside of us so that we are now the children of God, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. This is why when Jesus was first seen after he was crucified and he was in the grave and Mary Magdalene went to him and and he appeared before her and she was weeping and he said, it's okay, go tell them that I'm going, don't touch me, I'm going to my father and your father, my God and your God. There was a specificness in him saying that. In other words, he's saying it's done. Now he can be your father too. You are children of God. He's your Abba. Not just a title like a priest, but your daddy. He's your protector, your provider. He's the one who cares and takes care and teaches and guides and takes the belt off sometimes if he needs to, but he does it in love because he wants to make us better people. When we receive Jesus' spirit, that is when we become the sons and daughters of God. And that is evidenced by the character of Christ being manifested in us. That's the fruits of the spirit. Whenever we follow the leading of that spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit, he's going to start speaking to us. He's going to start teaching us. He's going to start revealing his word and pricking our heart and convicting us and saying, you know what, this is a sin in the Bible and you need to fix this. As we follow the leading and submit to that, we grow and mature a little bit. If we ever get to the point where we're like, no, we're not listening to you, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and he'll leave. And if that happens, we no longer have the spirit. We're no longer the children. We're no longer in the family. So always pursue God. Always follow those convictions. Never get stagnant or satisfied with where you are. Never let the devil make you feel like you're you're just a horrible person because God is still having to work on you and still... No, as long as you're here, he's going to still keep pruning. He's going to keep cultivating. He's going to keep growing you. And the more, I mean, we're babes in Christ, right? So the more you eat, the faster you grow. So consume that word. Consume that, you know, spend that time. Grow. I want to go as far as I can, as, as quickly as I can, because I know he's preparing us for something on the other side of this life. I don't want to just get there and realize that I was on step two when I could have been on step 102, if I had just came and sat in the classroom. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and it can leave if we refuse to follow its lead. But as long as you are seeking and striving, trying to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, to learn from his teachings, to follow his convictions, to continue to grow in grace with him, then you are his child and he won't leave you. He is your protection and your provision. He will fight for you. All of the resources of God's kingdom are available and attainable, for he is a good father and withholds no good gift from his children, according to scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says, Therefore, brethren, We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. In other words, we don't have to succumb to the lust of the flesh. When the flesh tells you to do something that you know God doesn't want you to do, we we don't have to obey it. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. Because of the power of Jesus' Spirit living within us, that, that authority, that dominion, that power is there. 
We can say, get ye behind me, Satan. We can say, no. We can say, I'm not going to be controlled, manipulated, and bullied by you. I'm a child of God. I'm standing in my authority. You've been defeated. You've got to go. I say no. Learn to say no. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when the Holy Spirit pricks you and says, no, no, don't do that, follow me over here, we follow his leading. And that's when he can say, you know what? You are definitely in the family. As many as are led by my Spirit, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You've been adopted in to a family, but not just any family. You've been adopted into God's family, the creator of heaven and earth. The greatest power, authority, and dominion in all of existence has just adopted you in. Grab hold of that reality and stand in the authority of it. You or a king and a priest, you have authority in the kingdom. Believe it. And he says that that spirit cries within us, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, meaning we inherit from God. We are joint heirs with Christ, meaning everything that Christ inherited from God, we also inherited. All that power, authority, and dominion. Obviously, Jesus had authority over demons. He could say, get ye behind me, Satan. We can too. We inherit the same power and authority. The devil kind of banks on you not knowing that. He banks on you just laying down and letting him bully and bluff you. But his day is done. There is power and authority. You can say no. You just got to believe and walk in the authority that God's given. You have to cry out to God. You have to be saved, but once you are, that authority is available. We are joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, it's that power and that authority <laughs> is also coupled with the fact that sometimes we have to suffer just like Christ did. Christ had to give up his own will in order to allow God to use him to demonstrate and prove the word true. There were things that He, God will take us through. Sometimes he'll let it even look like the enemy's defeating you for a little bit because he's setting the stage up to put him to shame. He's setting the stage up to show somebody something. He's setting the stage up, keep trusting, keep following, be willing to suffer sometimes so that you can be glorified just like Christ was. Trust that he's a good father and let him do the work. Whatever you need to achieve God's good will, or even that which is good for you, he will give it. As long as it's not something that could be detrimental to you because of your immaturity. Good fathers do withhold that which you are not ready to use safely or wisely. So set your heart to mature in the Lord, and he will trust you with more. God wants to give his children good gifts. Because he's a good father, sometimes he does hold things back if you're not ready for it, if it would cause you damage. God kind of showed me this years ago. We had a small dog that could run loose in the yard because she would listen to you. We had a big dog that we loved just the same, but he loved to chase vehicles. He thought he could take on an 18-wheeler. 
So he had to stay in an electric fence and she got to run free. And I, we'd go out, the kids would go out to play and he'd run to the fence and I'd kind of break my heart, but I would think, you know, I bet he thinks we don't love him as much as we love her because he's confined and she's not, but he doesn't know we're doing it for his own good because we can't trust to turn him loose because he's going to hurt himself. It's going to be detrimental to him. I think there, in our hearts, we wanted him to be free. We wanted him to play with us. We wanted him to be out there, but we had to confine him in some ways because he was a danger to himself. And I think that God, there's things that God wants to release to us that he can't because he knows we would use it to hurt ourselves. So he waits for training. He waits for maturity. He brings us through these things to take, to test us and to, to teach us how to rightly handle these gifts and these resources because he desires to release it. Sometimes you got to put a shot collar on us to teach us because we're hard headed. God, whatever you have to do. I want to be out of that pen. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, who if his son asked bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, would he give him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So when you ask God for something good, he will release it to you. Maybe not immediately, because what he might have to do is start taking you through a process to train you so that you can safely use it when he does. Many people would say, oh, Lord, I would love to move in the gift of healing. I think if you truly ask him and seek him for that, he's going to give it as long as you're willing to go through the training so that you don't misuse it. Because there's a verse that says many times we ask and we don't receive because we just want to use it on our own lust. Would we use it for our own glory? Would we use it to heap people onto ourselves and then teach them things that weren't right or, or move in pride and lose our own soul in the process? He won't give you things that will hurt you and he won't give it for the wrong reason but he wants to give these good gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of, of even blessings and physical blessings. You know, we don't really promote or talk a whole lot about, you know, physical blessings. We're not like a give me money kind of thing, but the Bible is clear that he will give those things if you will use them for the kingdom. The more you give, the more he gives you in order to give. He won't give it for you to consume it on your own lust. He, will, he is freely willing to give any kind of gift he wants to let him train you let him test you so that he can release it to you he is the wonderful counselor and the father he advises and guides he did this for jesus he advised and guided him into and through the miraculous even though he had to go through gethsemane to get there so when we ask for something he is willing to give it even if he has to prepare us to receive it with training, strippings, testings, and corrections so that we don't misuse it or hurt others or ourselves with it, as any good father would. But if we aren't willing to go through the preparing, if we run from the training, if we refuse the testing, then we can't blame him if he doesn't give it. 
He wanted to, but you proved that he couldn't trust you. You didn't want to mature into sons and daughters that he could partner with in the family business. He's not going to just hand over the keys to the kingdom of heaven to someone who doesn't know how to be about their father's business because they played and did their own thing instead of submitting to the training when the father was offering. Every little thing matters because a good father is always watching. Luke chapter 2 verse 40 says, And the child grew, this is speaking about Jesus, As Jesus the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So every year there was a feast for Passover and everybody went to Jerusalem. So they did this every year, but this particular year he had turned 12 years old. And when they had fulfilled the days, they went through the the Passover rituals, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. So they left kind of in a caravan. They had family members there and friends. They assumed Jesus was just hanging out, you know, probably with maybe cousin John. Remember, John the Baptist was his age. He was only six months different in age, and that was his cousin. You know, there's family there. Oh, maybe he's hanging out with the, you know, the other's kids and stuff, so it's cool. But then when they found him not, they realized he wasn't with the group. They turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. So they had to go back to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he saith unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? In other words, Jesus was saying, Why did you look for me doing any other thing? You should have known that I would be doing my father's work only. Right? They thought he was with family, maybe playing with little John. They thought he would be out playing, but he was training. I think that there's elements to this story that we overlook because it points out specifically that he was 12 years old. In the Jewish culture, a child was considered to transition from childhood to manhood at 12 years old. They still do bar mitzvahs to this day to celebrate you're coming, you're becoming a man. You're no longer a child. I think they assumed he was out playing and hanging out with friends and family. And he was like, well, no, I'm 12 years old now. I put away those childish things. I'm no longer a child. 
it's time because you see in the culture at 12 years old, the reason they transitioned to manhood was because that was the age at which they would start shadowing their father to learn the father's trade. They would start learning to work in the family business. And he's like, I put away those childish things. Why would you look for me anywhere else? Wouldn't I be about my father's business? It's time for me to start training. That's why they found him teaching in the temple. He was doing God's work. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. At 12 years old, God said, it's time to put away childish things. And Jesus listened. We have 40-year-olds that won't do it. And they wonder why they aren't being trusted with the Father's business or the tools and resources of it. He is always a good father. It's us that's not always good children. If you're not where you thought you'd be, it's more likely you holding that back than him. So put away childish things. Come and sit and let him teach you how to be priests and kings in his kingdom. He's a good father. He's a wonderful counselor. And he's waiting. So Lord, we thank you for the words that you have given us tonight. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for correction and for conviction. We thank you for the way that you teach us. We thank you for the way that you are willing to speak to us and through us every day for the price that you paid to make a way for us to come boldly before your throne of grace. We pray that we would be mature sons and daughters that would put aside the childish things of this life, the distractions, and get shut in with the teacher and be prepared to be those kings and priests to walk out our destiny and our purpose, both in this life and in the next. In the name of Jesus, amen. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.